Amen, 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 amen. Y'all all right? Y'all with us still, right? All right, all right, all right. I'm excited about so many things that God is blessed to be going on here in the ministry um, as we're seeing, seeking to see people um, grow um, a little bit deeper in their faith in the Lord Jesus the Christ. Um, I want to I wanna say something before I begin today, um, and I hope some people on the podcast hear this. Um, I want to apologize to our charismatic brothers and sisters um, because I know that, and I, I was talking to someone this week, and we were having a real, real good conversation. And, um, and I'm, I want to apologize to anyone that I have ever, even through sermons or my commentary, have, um, have distanced and created a culture at Epiphany Fellowship where people um, kind of distance themselves from particular different sectors of the body. And um, one of the things that I want us to begin to do is be- if someone has a non-fundamental theological difference with us, I want us to begin to learn how to interact with them without always trying to win them through it to a theological position. Um, and so, because I think we want to be marked by love. Um, we, we do want to bring correction. Where, that doesn't mean we don't challenge, we don't talk through things. However, I think sometimes we can be so challenge heavy. And I know I'm like that. And I know I've probably created that atmosphere as, 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 as Lee Pastor here. And so I want to apologize to you guys. And I want us to begin to really create an atmosphere where um, other believers don't always feel like they got to be exactly like us that don't go to church here, um, who are not a part of our community. And so I really want to apologize to that. I went to a, um, had to preach at a very charismatic church the other day, and um, it was crazy. I, I mean, it was a banging opportunity. Um, you know, I, had been, I was disciple, you know, in, 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 in a Pentecostal arena. And so, um, so I really want to just say that a part of, me being able to stand in front of you all today has been because of Pentecostals who were solid in the fundamental doctrines of Christianity who walked with me from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. I learned community from them. I learned Christocentrism from them. I learned commitment from them. And so I just want to make sure that we don't have an atmosphere here to, to where we, um, we, we kind of create kind of like this divided Christianity. Are y'all with me? And so I just want to make that, so y'all accept my apology for that. And so we want to change the atmosphere of that. We, we, really, we really need to do that. And it's very good that we talk about that and things like that as it relates to the idea of prayer. Because we've been going through a series on, um, on hot for Jesus. Hot for Jesus? Can you say hot for Jesus? How many of you all want to be hot for Jesus? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to ask you how many right now are actually hot for Jesus. Now, now, because, I, you know, I don't want to know what the response is to that. But one of the things, we want you to understand the terminology. Um, the terminology is those, we, those who want to have an undying and relentless passion for their king. That's what hot for Jesus means. And Jesus likes people hot for him. You know what I'm saying? And so, in light of that reality, we wanted to talk through some practical things as it relates to some key practices. Key practices. And so the first week we talked about just the overview of the spiritual life from Psalm 1, which we had a good time in. Um, then the next week we talked about patience, how to wait when God seems slow, and all of us left bleeding yet encouraged. Amen. And talking about patience and the role of patience in the Christian life, that there is no Christian life without patience. Um, and because many of us think the Christian life is a microwave. It is not a microwave, okay? 
It is, you can't get char-grilled. You can't, we don't need char-grilled Christians. That means you're burnt on the in, outside, but you're undone on the inside. And so, but, but we need crock-pot Christians, slow-cooked Christians. You know what I'm saying? That they, 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 they get seasoned. You know, when something's in a crock-pot, it gets seasoned up, padded up. And if you got some skills, you inject it with some flavoring. You know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know about no injection needle. Then you put it down, and that's some Louisiana stuff. That was my time in Houston, Louisiana folk. Shout out to everybody from Louisiana. And you put it in the crock pot, and you let it just slow cook. And you can leave it. Just walk off. Go somewhere. Go to the mall. Go to church. You, then that thing, you come back, open it up. The aroma is all in the crib. All just, just circulating the environment. Amen, praise God. The herbs and the spices. Uh-huh, and... And then you take the meat and you pull the meat and it just peels off. See, we need, we need Christians that are tender before God. We need Christians that are willing to walk in God's process of slow cooking us from our current state to where he actually wants us to be. And so we went from there to going through prayer. And we began talking about the, uh, Jesus' prayer life. And we started last week in Luke. I thought I was going to finish. Some of y'all looked at me like I was crazy. So I stopped the message because y'all knew I was probably going to be two hours. So I said, let me just stop it here. And we went on ahead and we're going to finish the rest of that prayer this week. And last week we talked a lot about, we talked a lot about um, the prayer life of Jesus and what his um, time with God was like. One of the things that we saw that was crazy throughout the New Testament, especially in the Gospels mainly, only in the Gospels, is we saw that Jesus Christ had a certain place. Say certain place. Yeah. So how many of y'all got your certain place this week? You got your, who did the assignment this week? Who got, raise, I need a high, I don't need a, this type of hand. Hand up. You got your certain place this week? For those of y'all that don't know what a certain place is, that means the place that when you walk in, you are driven to get with God, and it's a place away from everybody else where you and Jesus can chop it up and get it in and be engaged by him through prayer, okay? And so how many again got their certain place this week? Amen. How many of y'all already had your certain place? That's what's up. That's what's up. So that's exciting. And so what we want to do now is now that we got our certain place, how many of y'all don't have a certain place yet? Be honest. It's okay. You're still searching for it. Remember, try every room. Try every room. Yeah, some of y'all got, I got an efficiency. So I got to go either on top of the bed, under the bed. I got to open the, you know, so it's okay what you got. You got to work with what God gave you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you got a balcony, try your balcony. You know what I'm saying? You, you, got a, you got a storage unit. Wherever you can get it in with God without being distracted, you need to find that place to be. Outside can even be that place. But we need to make sure that you have a place. We know we're supposed to pray without ceasing, right? Based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. However, Jesus, we saw in his prayer life that he prayed without ceasing, but he also had focused, very, very focused times of prayer with God. And so we saw that his, his prayer life was so booming, was so crazy, that his disciples finally was like, teach us how to pray. And so as G we saw Jesus getting Talk, teaching his disciples how to pray, and we only got through a part of the prayer, and we are still in Luke chapter 11. And it says, and when he said, he said, when you pray, he says, pray, Father, hallow it, and that's as far as we got. 
So, so you know, it's kind of crazy. Anybody remember, this, I'm, I'm going to make this interactive today. Anybody remember what the focus of father was last week? What did we say that was? Intimacy. Say it louder. That's great. Y'all remember. So we talked about the, the need for relationship and intimacy and the fact that Jesus Christ gives the ability for the believer to be intimate with God, right? But then what was the focus of, and, and us being able to address him like that, God, like you can't be just calling him father, all just like father, like, and you're like, I don't know you like that. You know what I'm saying? And so only if you know Jesus Christ as Savior can you, are you authorized to call him father? He said, as many as believe on him, he gave them the right to become sons and daughters of God, right? So then, so then, just check with me. Now, we said father on this end emphasized what? But then we said a hallowed emphasized what? Say, say that again? Yes, yeah, so relationship and what? Uh-huh. Y'all so crazy. So relationship and respect. So I, make, I want that to grain into your head. Like, even if we got to be another week on prayer, I don't care. I really want us to get this because I believe God wants his people to have a lifestyle driven by prayer. Amen. And so, and so, and so we went through Hollywood, uh, uh, we went through Father Hollywood. Now we're going to go through name. Okay? So we're going to spend time on Hollywood be your name. Now, Hollywood, of course, we said, Mark, what? Respect. Absolutely respect. The holiness of God demands respect. Many times the psalmists say, who can stand before him? You can't just go up in his presence like that um, because you'll get blasted. And so he's a holy God. He's a holy God, but he's made a way to himself through who? Jesus Christ. I told you it's going to be interactive today. Put you to work because I know it's a little toasty in here. We're going to get it together soon. Hallowed be your name. Name. Let's stop at name. Can y'all say name? That's important. Name is, a, is very important. Many times we run past a lot of things in the scriptures. But Jesus was concerned that his people, his people, his disciples, had a reverence and a respect for the name of God. And that, that's important. Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, and they were doing roll, and somebody had a different name. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, we had a girl named Aquanetta. Aquanetta. And the teacher called her Aquanetta. Some other teacher called her Aquanaka. I ain't going to say the fullness of what the teacher called her one time. And she said, excuse me, I just want to tell you something right now. My name is not Aquanetta. That's what not my government name. That's what not what my mama named me. My name is Aquanetta. Can you say it with me? Ah, Quanetta. Ain't Q until she went through the spelling of it. Three syllables. I learned that in your class last year. You know what I'm saying? And Aquanetta is not the only person that's concerned about people's relationship to her name. God is deeply concerned with how people relate to his name. Not just in how you pronounce it, even though that's important, but also in how you relate to it in prayer. And so name is indicating authority attributed to the person represented. When it talks about name, God has a philosophy of branding. Say branding. 
See, branding is, is, is like when you look at companies, right? And every company has an insignia. You don't want to go public with a company without the, the company having an insignia. Okay, let me give y'all an example. Y'all looking at me like this in the headlight. All right. Let me, if you see a man on a horse with a golf club, see, you already knew that, right? Now, we got all kinds of other ones with two dudes and three dudes. And as soon as you see it, you know that it ain't what? Polo. You, and so, so in other words, there's, a, there's an it's Olo or Jojo or something else. But it's not authentically the brand that Ralph Lauren wanted put out. In other words, when people saw the man on the horse, he wanted it to be identified with a level of quality, a level of service, a, a level of look that brought, brought the person to a different state who wore that gear. That's why most of y'all like it. That's why you go to Marshalls instead of going to Macy's to get it. You know what I'm saying? So you can get a discount, but you still get the brand. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, if you see the swoosh sign with a crescent moon with a long line, what's that? Nike. Right, right, right. If you see three symbols like that, going three lines going down, what's that? If you see five going down, what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Swiss, right? Right, right, right. If you see, uh, if you see a, uh, 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 what you call it, a horseshoe on the back of some jeans, what's that called? True religion, right? So, in other words, so everything has a brand in what God created branding. Let me say that again. God created branding. Everything he created, he wants to reflect him. Their particular characteristics, when he says that he's into something or on something or he has branded by his name, he wants people to reflect everything that has to do with that name. And so really, we're no longer in prayer introduction here. One, one commentary said that once you got past Father, now you're in the body of the prayer, and now you're in actually the petition section. See, most of us think petitions start after uh, we say praise and thanksgiving, confession and repentance, then prayer and supplications. But actually, Jesus didn't follow that model. He actually wanted his people to understand an idea of the name of God and who God is in us reverencing him so that by God's grace, we can have an attitude towards prayer that has depth and that has meaning and that follows God's branding techniques. And so here when he talks about name, it's so beautiful. And, and because what he wants his people to know is have a reverence for his name, but also to have a prayer life and the things that we pray that he could be able to put his divine fingerprint on. Now, this is outside of the prayer time where you're just doing a bunch of yelling and shouting and frustration and anger with God. But here in this time, he says, once you get past that, now what I want you to do is I want you to talk in a way and relate to me in a way that reflects my branding. It's interesting how God has always been concerned about his name. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, it says, Then Moses said to God, he said, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is your what? Who shall I say sent me? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And I guess Moses probably looked up like, okay, I am who I am. But what's powerful about God is God said 
basically to Moses, I'm the unexplainable one. In other words, I'm not going to give you some little thing so that you can commit idolatry and a limited understanding of who I am. So I am who I am. In other words, I'm the one you can't just explain with a, with, with a statement. I'm too fly. I'm too cool for you to just explain me in this way. I got too much essence flying every which way. I got too much grace, glory, holiness. I, I got so much Shekinah. I'm thick with mine. My gears, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, so you can't just say glory because it'd be like, ah, I'm not just glorious, though. I'm majestic, so I can't just say I'm majestic. Dang, so I can't just say, like, tell them I'm mercy. No, nah, that doesn't sum me up. Um, great, no, nah, great, holy. I'm holy in all my attributes. I'm spirit, spirit. That doesn't. I, God said, I got it. Check this out, Momo. I am who I am. Pat out. We need to get some T's. You know, we got a T for everything in Christianity. I am who I am, pointing up, right? God's branding. In other words, he wants to be unexplainable, right? But in him wanting to be unexplainable and pegged, he still wants us to get to know aspects of him while he's still fully unexplainable. In other words, the human dialect that we have across the planet does not have enough terminology to house in a dictionary or a lexicon who God is. So God has to kind of give a designation without giving a specific word and just say, I am who I am, family. And so when he talks to Moses about this, he wants Moses to walk away with the people. When he says, I am who I am, I want to actually get to know this cat better. But then we see another place where God is concerned about his name, Exodus I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 38, 23. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. He says, I will vindicate the holiness of my name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before your eyes. God says, I want to vindicate the holiness of my name. In other words, I want, I want to fight for my name being seen as unique. And so when we pray to God, there needs to be a sense that we're before the unique one. Before a star. I, I, I feel funny when I go to places and people tell me they want to take a picture and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm not unique. When people go someplace and you see a star going to be downtown, you see Jigga or somebody going to be downtown, people want to take a picture of them because they want to say that I've been able to touch this particular person in particular. But God is saying, nah, none of y'all cats unique. He says, I'm the most unique one. So when we pray to God, God is the most booming, unique king of kings and lord of lords. And so he wants us to understand that. Ezekiel 39, 7, another crazy verse. He says, and my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel. So what he wants his people to know is God wants his people, us, God's people, he wants us to be able to resonate with the reality of his name. I want it to be known, but I want it to be known rightly. Not just the name in and of itself, Yahweh, but I want what characteristics that reflect who I am in my character to follow my name. Y'all still tracking with me? Exodus 32, verse 7. This is my favorite one. Actually, and we see Moses doing it in prayer. He says, and the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly 
out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a, name, uh, make a great nation of you. So God was going to wipe out all God's people and start over with Moses. But check out Moses. He has an understanding of the name of God. And listen to what he says after this. He says, but Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out out of the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he has spoken of bringing on his people. Even though God would have been justified in destroying his people, when Moses prayed, he prayed understanding the name of God. He prayed understanding that God has such a passion for himself, and he doesn't like Humans misunderstanding what he does. And so Moses prays and says, God, how are they going to relate to your name when you did all of those crazy miracles among them? And so Moses, understanding through time with God how God operates, knew how God felt about his name and prayed to God to respond to his name by making something happen that wouldn't have happened if he wouldn't have gotten away of it. And so we as believers need to know the heart of God. See, knowing God's name in prayer means knowing what he's like, knowing his characteristics, so that when you pray, you're not just, you're not just, you're not just saying empty, vain repetitions as we saw in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6. And so it's very, very important that we make sure that the name of God gets its just due. But what's interesting is Yahweh was the name that was used in the Old Testament. And so God now has created a new name, a unique name. And now what he has done now is calling on the name of the Lord no longer is us calling on the name Yahweh. But now he has taken every, all of the worth of his name Yahweh, all of the characteristics of who he is, and he's injected it into a name that's attached to a person. When I was in Texas, there was a bunch of cats named Jesus, you know, Bunch of cats. When I was in Texas, we went all over the place. What's your name? Jesus. And so it was a bunch of cats, right? And so I was like, dang, I just felt uncomfortable calling him. So I called him Zeus, you know, because I just felt uncomfortable calling a dude Jesus, right? Um, but, but what's interesting is it's not just the name itself. It's the person that the name qualifies. And so in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him who Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. What's crazy about this is that God has exalted Jesus' name above his name. 
every name. Yahweh has to, the name Yahweh now has to submit under the name Jesus. Because God says nothing is going to be done anymore through Yahweh's name. Everything is going to be done through Jesus' name. And, and, and so you can say, God, at the end of your prayer, in your name, and all of that, you can just kind of try to, to, I'm praying to the stars and the ancestors of old. You can talk about God, 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 all you want. God ain't concerned about generality. He likes specificity. And the way in which that specificity is expressed is in the name of one person, and that's Jesus Christ. And so our prayers, remember, praying in Jesus' name is the utilization of the name, but it's also the sphere of the name. Let me explain. That means whatever God agrees with that would complement the name of Jesus, he will do. See, some of us think we can just pray any old thing and God will do it because he said if I ask anything in his name, he'll do it. No, 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 no. You ran too fast. If he asks anything that is in his name, that means character. So, so if something doesn't line up with the character of God that you're praying, he's going shut down. He's going to be like, Jesus, are you hearing something? I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't hear. You heard that? <laughs> Holy Spirit just chilling. They don't know what's going on. But then as soon as Jesus' name comes and then it's stuff that God would actually do, then they say, you hear that? Oh, go, Holy Spirit, get to work. They, get to work. Holy Spirit whoosh, doing this thing. Shows up and begins working because he only is concerned about Jesus. I got I got to stay there for a second. See, the Bible says in the upper room discourse that he said that the Bible is crazy. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is not coming to get worship. Even though he deserves it. But the Bible says that Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to make Jesus known. So when Jesus' name comes up and the sphere of his name, he says, you smell something? Guess, and he says, I smell Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit is a bloodhound. He's a bloodhound for the name of Jesus and the character of Jesus. It gets the Holy Spirit excited when God's people are concerned about Jesus' name. And so, therefore, now, when it comes to the name of Christ, this is so important that we not only just throw around the name of Jesus, Jesus, I say in Jesus' name, and Jesus, and that's fine. But the question is, is what we're asking Jesus spherically, is it something that the Godhead would be in agreement with? That's very important. So now that means you got to think through your prayers. That means you got to begin not just saying stuff. Right in the cross out of your eye, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just bless you today for all your blessings and your wisdom. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, we bless, bless you. And we're not saying nothing. Lord, we just bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. And now we need to begin when we get in the petition section asking stuff from God that you want to freely speak to God but also think. So that means you have to actually get in his branding manual. See, if you don't spend time in the branding manual, you won't know what his name agrees with. And so some of us have been just praying stuff for a long time and really don't know the name of Jesus. You say the name of Jesus, but you don't know the name of Jesus. See, knowing the name of Jesus is being married to the heart of Jesus Christ and what we ask. 
I didn't mean to spend too much time on this, but this is good right here. I'm preaching to myself. I know I'm, not, I'm just here by myself. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says we have received the mind of Christ. Now, we've given the, we've been given the ability to think like the Lord Jesus Christ. However, when we trust Jesus Christ as savior, we don't have the information that informs the mind of Christ. So that's why you can't just have first Corinthians two fourteen. You got to have Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Because you have to be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Yeah. So when you be transformed, by, and that's why you got a James chapter one, verse 21, receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. I'm going to talk about studying your Bible in um, a few weeks that we get through this. But anyway, and so in that verse, it means that our minds have to begin to be transformed and we have to begin downloading the information of the mind of Christ so that we can understand the name. Let me see if I can make it plain. I got one of these joints. I love it. Right. This is my phone. What's interesting is this phone, by God's grace, can do a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Like, I can control PowerPoint on here on Sundays if I wanted to, using this. I can use it as a pointer. I can use it to call. I can just do all types of stuff. I can use it to look at the day, the alarm clock, all types of things. But what's interesting is the phone can do a lot of things. But the only way I can do those things is I have to go to the Apple store. And when I go to the Apple store, I have to download the software that complements with the phone. I can't, I can't go and get BlackBerry software. Sorry, y'all. I have to get iPhone software. And I download it on here, and it works with the phone. And it, it doesn't give the phone an ability to do anything. It's just the phone uses its ability to do what it already knew how to do, but it just needed the software for it. If you're going to pray in Jesus' name properly, then you got to get in the Apple store of the Bible. And you're going to have to download some software so that your prayers don't remain ignorant and foolish and vain utterances, but you begin to pray in his name, not just with his name. And I guarantee y'all, he'll never answer my prayer. I don't know. I've been praying like, yeah. Listen, let me tell you something. You don't pray in his name and you're not patient. It's one of the two. See, either you're not patient with God's timing or you're not praying based on his heart. And so he don't answer stuff that he ain't cool with. And so, and so here, when we just spend time on understanding this idea of the name it is very important that we be not become ignorant Christians. That doesn't mean we, we got to just read systematic theology. No, you got to be in Bible. And so in his name. Now, we're going to go to the next section. Hopefully I can finish this. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. And this next section is booming. I mean... I mean, I, I, like, I lost in this section just studying for it. I just got lost in it. Your kingdom come. Oh, my goodness. Now, y'all don't know, but this is probably one of the most pregnant statements in the Bible for a believer to ask. Because the coming of God's kingdom is probably the most important prayer of the Christian. 
this, and I'm going to probably just do a part of this, and then we're going to stop, and we're going to continue next week. I'm going to stop in like five, ten minutes, because I want y'all to process this. Are y'all cool with that? I want y'all to process this. Okay, so your kingdom come. This is so beautiful. The kingdom, I want you to repeat after me, the kingdom is God's comprehensive rule over all creation. Oh, my goodness. The kingdom is, oh, my God. Brother Larry, you got to listen to this part, Brother Larry. It's the comprehensive rule of God over everything. That means that God, even though he's in heaven and hell seems to be breaking loose on the planet, he still rules. See, some of us think, some of us think that God isn't ruling right now because bad things are happening. That's not what's going on right now. See, oh, I wish I had time. Golly. Man, see, God is withholding how bad it could actually be right now. See, you, you don't really know that God, even in Mr. Sinful World, is activating sovereign grace. What do I mean by that? He lets the... See, God could have just let the ozone layer just peel back a long time ago and let the sun just hit us and all of us be black people, just everybody on the planet, crispy. Y'all so... What are y'all laughing at? Some of my white brothers and sisters say, oh, let's save the ozone layer. I'm just playing, I'm just playing, I'm just playing. You know, we got to play with our diversity. I love y'all so much. But what's powerful, what's powerful about the kingdom of God is God holds back how much hell earth gets. I don't know if y'all getting this. See, some of the things that have happened to you could have been worse. But God being, the Bible said there is a restrainer in 1 Thessalonians. There is a restrainer. Now, you can say who the restrainer is. I believe that there are multiple restrainers. I believe there are four angels at the four corners of the planet holding back hell based on revelation. What they do is their duty is to stand there and make sure that the full two-thirds of hell's angels don't come to planet Earth. Their role is to fight off the enemy so that people don't get all the hell that they deserve. Another strainer, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence on the planet restrains not only that, but the grace of God restrains. Then there's another restrainer, the church. The church was placed here to restrain evil. Read Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> When you get home, read Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to get in it when we get on nature and purpose of the local church and spiritual warfare when we go through those two series. But I just want you to know that as we end it, and we talk about the kingdom, and we talk about praying down God's kingdom, we're praying that God would bring more restraint, even as things get more difficult. 
God's comprehensive rule, where our prayer is, is that God's kingdom would be ultimately realized on planet Earth. That's going to be important for us to be dreaming about. Many of us have nightmare dreams. I'm not talking about when you go to sleep. I'm talking about while you're awake. Some of the dreams that we have are not dreams that God would stamp. Why? Because we don't understand what it looks like. We don't dream about God ruling. We dream about us ruling. And when you're in a bling bling and floss generation that wants to be seen, what it begins to happen is everybody thinks that they deserve to get their shine. But redemptively as the Christian who prays thy kingdom come, the goal of thy kingdom come is that by God's grace that we would be having prayers. And God, listen, God has a storehouse of stuff that he wants to happen. And he will not release them without prayer. Prayer is a means of grace. So when we talk about that idea of God is saying, when we pray his kingdom come and we understand it, then we begin to pray things. Like God, stitch together a marriage that is not glorifying you. Lord God, remove from me the desire to look at porn every night. Because see God, if I do that, I'm going to get corroded and your kingdom won't come because the fellowship between you and I will be broken and then I won't want to pray. I won't want to get in your word. Your kingdom come. Bless those broken relationships. Your kingdom come through those broken relationships, God. Restitch together your design in those broken relationships. Your kingdom come. God, help me on the work, on my workplace to honor you, even though it's a difficult place and I don't feel like being there. But that's the place that you place me right now to be a witness and to provide so that I won't get pink slips and be looked like I had a fool. So if I don't, if my bills aren't paid, your name won't get the just due that it deserves. So when we talk about your kingdom come, kingdom come is a massive idea, but a very practical idea. And next week, we're going to, we're going to jump right back in this. And we're going to talk about the two aspects of the kingdom, the already and the not yet. And we should be praying about both of them. And so I'm going to just close in prayer. And then we're going to get back in this next week because I want us to take this slow. Y'all cool with us taking this slow? Amen. Father, we, we are passionate, God, about the slow pace of your work. Even though the Bible says, really, you're not slow, it's just our level of patience is different than yours. Because you're abundant in patience. You're not impatient at all. And so, God, I really want us to, I really don't want us to rush and just have an information dump, Lord. But I'm praying in Jesus Christ's name that you would bless us and grace us to learn the secret. To learn the secret, God, of what it's going to look like for your kingdom to come. We really need that, God. And one of the ways that we want to see your, your kingdom come is through disciples being made. And the way people are, are first become a disciple is through trusting Jesus Christ as Lord. There is no believer that's not a disciple. That's not even a biblical idea. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus <laughs> that, that, that you would save even today, Lord God, maybe there's someone here today that needs to repent of their sins. One of your ways your kingdom comes, God, is through the gospel, through people trusting you as Savior. And so, God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
that we would pr- that, that someone here that doesn't know you would recognize that we're all sinners and that we're in need of your grace and that we deserve to be we, we, we deserve to be banished to hell forever, away from your presence to pay for our sins. But you have given us a gift called Jesus Christ, the person, the God-man, the risen Lord, to be able to interact with and to be able to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so we must repent of our sin and turn to Jesus. If you're here today and you need the Lord Jesus Christ today, you could just slip your hand in the air and we want to chop it up with you. If you're here and you want to trust Christ and Christ alone for salvation. I see that hand. I see one hand. I see one hand. Any, anybody else? Yeah. Anyone else? 